Hi folks, I'm Duncan Gill, child and adolescent psychiatrist. And I'm Victoria Lee, licensed clinical mental health counselor. And welcome to Is There a Med for That? The podcast about teen mental health, behavioral problems, and what to do about them. Victoria and I have been working together for years with kids. Sometimes we use therapy, sometimes medication. Sometimes we just give guidance to parents. And we realize that sometimes kids just need to be left alone. We don't have all the answers, but we've got some of them. We'll do our best to share what we've learned over the years working with struggling kids and their families. We hope you enjoy the show and that we can be helpful to those who have taken on the hardest, most important job in the world, being a parent. Hello, Duncan. Hello, Victoria. How's it going today? Outstanding. How about you? Pretty good. Happy to be here. I like our recording day. It's a fun day of the week it's for me. Fun. It's fun. It's sort of um, offers us some variety. <laughs> Spice to life. Spice to life. <laughs> yeah. What are we going to talk about today? Uh, I was hoping you had something. You're I'm right. I'm pretty unprepared today. We can work with that. I thought it could be fun. I know we're going to try. Maybe we should mention too that we do want to continue to do the questions from the audience. Right. We are um, going to invite people to not only call in, but write in as well. And you can be anonymous if you want to direct message us on one of our social media accounts or if you'd like to email us at is there a med for that at gmail.com. Contact. Nope. Contact at is there a med for no shoot. Oh, <laughs> contact at medforthat.com. Okay. Contact f- one more time. Contact at contact medforthat.com. Medforthat.com. Glad we cleared Great. that up. Great. Uh, because folks, I think, are feeling a little hesitant about calling and recording, like having people know maybe a stress in their life. Yeah. yeah. I think you and I are so used to this sort of talk that you right. know, we forget that maybe from the other end, it, it feels a little more sensitive and vulnerable to maybe call in and put a question out there, especially if it's about directly about your kid or your situation. Um, or about your parent. We're also inviting kids to call in and complain about their parents a little That's bit great. and ask for like how to deal with, or what would you suggest for my mom or dad to work on if I'm having this frustration with them? That'll be great. Yeah. So please reach out because um, we'd like some more questions to work with because I think that's a fun model. Yeah. We're also going to do some interviews. Interviews. We've got uh, OT interview and... Occupational therapist. I have for an those ear, nose know. and throat surgeon. I thought it would be ENT. a lot of fun to, to interview. Great. Um, we can figure out a way to turn that into psychiatry, I'm sure. Yeah, and get a couple of parents on who've practiced some of the principles that we talk about here in their own life as parents and hear how it's been helpful or the real struggles behind parenting in their the life. The struggle is real. The struggle is real. So, yeah. Um, yeah. All right, <clears throat> Where are we but going today with this? we were going to do a topic um, while we sadly wait for people to write in. Um, we're going to talk about optimal deprivation and how does, what does that mean in parenting? Um, why are we going to talk about it? Well, what does it mean initially? So we live in a time where the life strategy, you can call it a slow life strategy, Hmm. meaning we've gotten to a point in evolution where currently you can have the choice to slow things down a little bit because people tend to, you know, with healthcare um, advances, different options in life, people are choosing to have kids a lot later. And they're also staying in school longer. So things versus like a fast life 
strategy tends to you don't slow things down as much. You tend to have a bunch of kids at a younger age and kind of just plow through things because you don't have the luxury of going slower. This kids, is the old days where things were hard, right? Yes. Life was shorter. Yep. You didn't have a whole lot of time for leisure. Exactly. Right? So now we have the luxury of spreading things out. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So slow life strategy. Um, and one thing I've heard, I heard some great conversations this week about this topic and thought it'd be important for us to share with our audience and with each other, um, what that, there's many benefits to slow life strategies, but there's also a lot of liabilities too. And so as a parent, I personally want to figure out what are the liabilities and how can I minimize them in my own life and my kid's life. And so one thing that when you have parents who are older with more resources, Not having us. kids. You mean other people? What's that? You mean other people besides us? Being older? You mean older people, not us. <laughs> well, I was pretty old. Like, I shouldn't say pretty old, but I was older when I had kids. How old were you when you had kids? 33? Yeah, and I think in the larger spectrum of having kids like I think like I know like my mom and her generation I think tended to have kids closer in the early to mid 20s right but I think now it's very typical to not even find your mate until later and have kids later and so how long has that been going on for I don't it's a good question I don't think, I think like... Sort of our lifetime, certainly it's gotten later. Yes. Like even this latest I think generation. We, yes, absolutely. And so the kids who are affected by this are the ones, yeah, like the adolescents currently. Yep. And so he's pointing at some of our... Young? Young staff, our podcast staff. staff. Podcast staff. Yeah, our audio Congratulations, and our guys, you know our media. podcast staff. <laughs> Just started. <laughs> Um, and so what, what it also leads to is parents tend to be more cautious. So they often protect their children from a lot of things. This one lady gave an example of, you know, she grew or her parents grew up on a farm, a dairy farm where they had to t milk cows and there was a lot to attend to, and there was eight kids. And so each kid is getting way less attention than nowadays when there's, you know, um, only one or two kids in your average family. Kids end up raising their siblings and stuff, right? Absolutely, yeah. And you end up having more direct experience with the trial and error that we talk about that kids learn a lot from. Yep. And you end up becoming independent at a lot earlier age. And But nowadays, that's reversing. Kids are becoming less independent at a young age. They're taking longer to launch. Definitely. And... Another aspect of having parents who are older with more resources in general having kids is that the kids can be given a lot more stuff. Attention is one of those resources, but time. also yep. time, um, items, um, other resources like educational opportunities. So kids get way more, and I guess humans probably do in general, get a lot more than they ever had in the past. And so one dilemma, I think we have to think critically about, which is, it's probably counterintuitive in a lot of ways, but trying to discuss optimum deprivation. So meaning what, what level of deprivation is actually healthy for development? So if we take the extreme, we have the parent who now is 
farther along, so they have uh, more money. <laughs> they have more more to offer their kids. And so at the extreme, it's the parent who gives the child everything. You ever see the this movie from the 80s called The Toy, I think, with Richard Pryor? No. Anyways, it's a kid whose parents are millionaires and just can give the kid everything. Um, Good example. Yeah, and up to, I think I mentioned this, uh, trust funds, right? Yeah. So if you make enough as a parent, you theoretically can leave enough for your children that they never have to work. And is that a good thing? Right, and maybe at some point in development it is, right? But I think a lot of the question too about the parenting piece is that as you're in your childhood and young adulthood, how much of just being given things avoids you actually having to learn certain things on your own. Um, I think of uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Mm. What was that girl's name? The kind of annoying one who got... Violet. Anybody, staff? Violet. Violet. Mm, I bet someone out can there we knows. Have, maybe somebody can fact research checker. that for us. We're going to have an online... Uh, yeah, could you please uh, fact check that, please, for us, Ben, right now? Violet, the the annoying girl in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Who kind of got what she wanted all the time. Yes, I want it now. Yes, yeah. I think it's it's an extreme example of someone just being given everything. Entitled. And so so as a parent, what do we, how do we decide what not to just give our kids all the time? How do you manage that? Well, I was just thinking about what we talk about is the goal of optimal parenting, which is for your children to become independent and not need you anymore. So you want to give enough that they survive to adulthood and you facilitate their growth, but you don't want to give so much that they don't develop the skills to survive on their own. Right. So it's a tough balance. Mm -hmm. And parents, you know, different parents have different systems and you know, some would say never get your child a car. They can buy it themselves or pay yep. for their own gas or get a job and pay for whatever. And other parents would give allowances and say, we want our child to use the time differently. Yeah. So that's a big Right. Or some people question. don't even give allowances, but just provide for their kids versus right. giving them the money that they then have to, that's limited and they have to then budget. That's a form of deprivation too, compared to a parent just doing all that will here's what you want and I'll decide for you. Um, I think a, a big one that comes to mind for me is even just food. Hmm. I have young kids who are like to eat, uh, three growing boys. And if you go through your day, like even just driving to work or you driving somewhere with the kids, you go by lots and lots of different places where they want different food. Um, and like how much do you say yes to certain food and, and no to certain food? I wonder if to make the um, the signs for like McDonald's and Dunkin' Donuts and stuff big for that reason. Yeah. And put, put them up high so the kids viewpoint through the window. Yeah. I just, it just Yeah, to me. I'm sure there's a lot of that that goes into the marketing. They definitely target kids. Thanks for saying. saying yeah. That. Yeah. So in my, so in my own experience, I think of food right away. Um, I think of even how much time with me Mm. when they're very young, obviously like being a mom who I've done a lot of attachment parenting, um, breastfeeding. And so the babies have been very close to me as they were little, but then as they get older, um, you know, how much time do you balance them experiencing the larger world versus being in the safety of not that I want to put them in an unsafe experience, but to go out and figure some things out on their own. So, yeah, it occurs to me, and 
our family, with the kids growing up, there were a lot of games that we played together. And in one hand, that's a wonderful thing. Certainly beats being on uh, phones, you know, next to each other all the time. On the other, you want your children to become independent, not need you necessarily for entertainment. So would encourage the kids to play by themselves or together or something like that. So yes, even how much time you spend with a kid is um, up for debate, I guess. Right. Yeah. I had another thought when you were talking about... uh, You want me to keep talking? Yeah, keep talking. You're doing great. I'm trying to think. Optimal development. Well, what about... How about we jumped... I know we talked about maybe defining what it is, but then how... Okay, so you decide, I, I believe... And a lot of this is going to be individual. You have to run it through what's going on in your own family with your own child. And sometimes you start to notice an imbalanced behavior in your kiddo. Mm. And so suggesting, I would suggest you look at what are they, are there things they aren't getting that they need, Mm -hmm. but are there things they're getting too much of that they don't need that's actually involved in this imbalance? So I think what you're suggesting, this is is very good, is that you can go along and just do your best and you may find places where you'll have to deprive more or provide more just based on what you see from your kid. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Cause I don't know any other way to really, I don't think you can come up with an equation or a prescription that's going to be for your vast majority of kids in this. I think it's really going to have to be on an individual basis. Every kid's different. Yeah. And so you, boy, it's something that isn't, something typically said by professionals or experts is but it's really what we do right you fake it along the way and then you adjust on the fly yeah yep and i think that's really the optimal strategy yeah it's how we as a species i'm sure evolved right that's just adapting to life and responding to your environment and not getting so attached to an idea as a parent that you're not willing to update your files as new information comes along. Because like, what might yeah. be good for Charlie and my family might not be good for Benjamin. Certain amount of time together or time away. Each kid, I think, is going to be different. But you have to be on, like willing to honestly look at it and put... I think we can project our own feelings onto things a lot. Which is very similar to being a therapist or a doctor and going in with a plan, which is dangerous... You want to go in with some kind of plan, but you have to have flexibility or abandon the plan if it's not working. Yeah, you can't be so attached to the plan versus the actual here and now reality. Hmm. Yep. So let's pretend we have a kiddo who excessively... You've, there's an imbalance you've noticed that... Um, what is something like maybe television? Too right. much television. Something I bet a lot of kids are... Do they even call it television anymore? I don't think so. What do people... What do we call it? Staff? Netflix. Netflix. <laughs> they have too much Netflix. <laughs> and on one hand, you don't, you know, think about it from a group of resources. Well, we already have the subscription, right? We pay X amount regardless of how much you consume. You already maybe did your chores or whatever is expected of the family. Um, school grades are okay, but all of a sudden you notice that, you know, little Johnny's on this, the screen watching Netflix for hours on end on the weekend. Um, how would you deal with that? Um, well, I, yeah, I guess what you, 
as you were saying, you see an imbalance, and the imbalance is probably he's not doing anything else. Yeah. And perhaps health is suffering, maybe putting on some pounds. May not be, I mean, it can affect social development, physical development. Mm-hmm. And it's like drugs, right? Withdrawal symptoms. Yes. You, tell, you turn the TV off and he throws a big yeah. explosive yeah, tantrum. It's a, a big, a big red flag. So the way we often deal with it is as much as possible is to talk to your child about it, mm-hmm. right? And be transparent and say your concerns at age appropriate level. But I think we advocate for doing it even with younger kids than people might think you could do it with, right? right? So even a six-year-old, you can have a conversation about, you know, I'm concerned this may not be good for you. Yep. And then ultimately you might have to be the one that holds the boundary around you. Like as your parent, I don't feel good about supplying you with an endless amount of Netflix. I think what's healthy and you can negotiate a little bit with them to some degree um, if they're being reasonable. If not, you have to make up your own mind as to what is reasonable. Um, but maybe one hour every day, you can watch one show before bed or whatever it might be that you you find is reasonable. And then maybe that is too much for some kids. Maybe mm-hmm. they still throw the fit and they're not willing to get off. Um, or maybe, you know, they are, they're choose, they're just sitting around waiting all day to play it or not play it, but watch it instead of engaging in other things. And so maybe that is too much for them. I think in, in our sort of the, the, the way we approach things, um, it's easy to get stuck in one or the other. Uh, yeah. We try to do both as, as far yeah. as actually communicating and trying to team up and have a discussion with a child to get their input and to have it become ultimately an agreement, right? That's the right. ideal thing. But then you move towards assuming a parental role increasingly as that just doesn't seem to be right. working. So right. the more you can agree on, the better. But at some point, the discussion becomes interminable or not productive. And you have to move from a role of negotiating or talking about to just making a decision. Right. Yep. Because hopefully we are the older, wiser part of the equation. Um, and we have a responsibility to make sure our kids are healthy and, and well and balanced. Yeah, so at some point it's a decree. But you don't want to jump to the decree if you can help it either. Because right. then you lose an opportunity for a kid to learn how to negotiate and participate and consider themselves. Right. So you don't want to jump to that either. No, to just lay the law down right off the bat, right? Sometimes you, again, have to do that. But other times, if you can talk, we always go. Because sometimes kids will really surprise you, too, and be like, yeah, I agree. Or like, yeah, I haven't been feeling so good. I really would like to keep watching this much, but I realize it's not working for me. And and I do want, could you help me with it? Give them the chance to surprise you. Yeah. Right? Yep. And then you're modeling how to have healthy relationship with someone, too, that's reciprocal and cooperative versus solely hierarchical. And treating a child as if on the older side rather than younger. Yep. Right? Yeah. And that's another interesting, I wonder how that's been impacted by the slow life strategy. I think in some ways, one thing, mm-hmm. like kids are growing up slower. And part of it, I think some parents actually, you know, you sometimes want to save your, your kids' youthfulness, right? You don't necessarily want your kids to grow up. I mean, in certain moments, you want them to grow up now. 
But other times I think you do want to enjoy your, your kid's childhood, but is that really what's best for them? Right. Versus best for you. Yeah. And letting them, and a big question I had, I'm going to explore more and maybe we could do another podcast on it is how does the slow life strategy of modern Americans, how much does that align with our biology? Right. Right. Because there, you could very much say, I can see right off the bat that compared to a fast life strategy, there's lots of benefits to slowing it down, savoring certain things, um, having kids have less accidents and be safer and live longer, live longer. Right. Yeah. All really good. But I wonder if there are certain developmental markers that kids are losing critical, like we're not getting in, in the critical periods sensitive periods of development because it's delayed yeah if you wait too long they become adults on the outside right (laughs) without having that ability to be an adult on the inside and um, take care of themselves yeah yeah and i think of that i think that sentence there really um that wasn't a bad one was it Oh, it was, it was pretty good. And even just part of the sentence where you said an adult on the outside, right? Like I think teenage years, we see a lot or adult, adult on the inside, even in a certain way, like biologically, like kids are often ready to biologically have their own kids at 13. Right. Right. And in the middle of adolescence, it's not uncommon for kids to biologically be ready to have kids, but they're not being and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but they're not being raised in a way that they're even in touch a lot with that power and right. potential. And and it puts us at odds often with our kids because in some way, biologically, they really should be trying things on their own more. But we're still very much in charge of their life in certain ways because we've slowed down how fast kids are growing up. But that means a longer period to have to navigate relationship with our kids and so I think communication skills and relationship skills are more important than ever and at the same time people are getting worse at them than than ever because of social media and in technology yeah I think that's pretty indisputable because even the the slow growth I think it's very tempting as you get older to say whatever the newer generation is doing is worse. Right. And my daughter was actually telling me studying ancient Rome that they did the same thing. They'd say, ah, oh, this generation. Every, yeah, entitled. every generation. It's almost Everyone like what you it. should as an adult yeah, a you, little bit. You become sort of more crystallized and stodgy and inflexible yeah. at your own. And so I, I think for the slow development, was it slow life? Was slow life strategy. Slow life strategy versus fast is probably very arguable. It, I find it hard to argue, no matter how I think about it, about social media being good for relationship development. Oh, totally. Yeah. We're in a it very... Sucks. let's face it. The wild, it wild sucks. west period. Let's yeah. call it what it is. Yeah. Maybe we can do a podcast soon on, on that as well Social and how to media help sucks. talk to your kids about it. No, <laughs> still, media we're going to post this podcast on all the social media because it's good for this. It just sucks for everything else. Well, well, it's true because we are, we do use it as a way to get the word out about us. But I think that if it's like, I think we also agree in our profession, it'd be nice if we could be obsolete, that we weren't needed. Right. Um, but currently we are and but no, I agree. And maybe they'll ban us for saying that. I don't know, like TikTok and Hopefully, all that. We probably could um, 
go to court for it or something then? Yep. I heard if they, is it if you swear too much, you can't be on there too or something? We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I hope you can say suck. But you know what it does? It sucks for certain things. I don't mean to go off on a tangent, but it no. sucks for ki- kids to learn how to relate to another. That That's. Yeah. And I think the, te- we were by no means like technology is bad, but f- there are certain, there's a lot of things it is bad for in relationships. And I think adolescent development, there's more and more studies coming online right now that's proving that it's very detrimental to kids i know we got on this but you can even you could talk about social media being something we should to some degree deprive our children of 100 percent, yeah not 100 percent deprive them of it maybe but because in some <laughs> ways it, it's it and this is i'm glad we actually went there with it because i think this is probably going to be the number one thing as a parent you're going to come up against in terms of really knowing and seeing what's really bad about social media but then it's almost mandatory presence or like a mandatory part of socializing as an adolescent now yep it's It's part of life across the board in many ways and so how do you help your child not be one of the numbers that gets used by social media versus using social media Mm, i like that yeah and i don't have any there's no like blueprint yet for that but maybe we could let's come up with come up with one or at least this is one of these things though it's the same thing you you go in with a little bit of a plan and then you modify it when it doesn't work. Right. That's why there's right. no blueprint for it. And even like turning the kid's phone off at a certain time, that could be construed as very controlling, but it's also a group resource. And do you, how do you feel about having your kid have access to their phone all night long? Mm-hmm. Something you want. I even heard someone recently say, you know, your smartphone, if you could even call it a phone, because it's really not... A phone. Not a phone anymore. Yeah. yeah. Who calls each other anymore? Yeah, well, it's a good point. People call and then our number. It's really like a computer. Everyone has a little computer in their their pocket versus just a phone. Yeah. Get them. Yeah. There's so the another message resource, is right? get a, phone? a flip phone for your child. <laughs> That's what we did. We did till 13 or something. Okay. But then every child's different, right? Mm-hmm. Did your kids have a hard time with being restricted on that? It's actually odd because we did it with my daughter till 13 and she wanted to keep the flip phone. Cool. Which was very cool, but also a little concerning because all of her friends were communicating on texts or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so it almost felt like it wasn't good not to have that ability for her. So Right. And that's that dilemma. Yeah. I guess it's the dilemma you want, but at some point you're taking iPhone. (laughs) <laughs> what about iPhones your, are too expensive what about your son did he what how old was he when he got he still doesn't have he still got a flip phone okay i don't I think like he that. cares that much but they got their laptops I and mean, they're on laptops yep. all the time that's true i don't know yep yeah what was your Optimal. plan no phones until you're 18 you don't, they don't even have phones <laughs> i'm living out in, out in the country for that reason <clears throat> No, I don't know. We're going to take it, I think, kind of like one year at a time and assess what is real in the world and what's not real and what's needed and where our kids are at and trying to maybe provide more heavily in other areas and less in certain areas that we don't agree with. So, you know, if we're not going to supply them with certain things like certain technologies by a certain age, I want to make sure that they are having other opportunities to really 
actively engage in communities and connection. But that takes a shit ton of work as a parent. It's way easier to give them the phone and send them to school. Right. Right. Like, and then, then you can go up upon your, you know, work week and everything else that comes along in modern life. Right. And maybe that is that fast life strategy in a certain way. And, you know, let them go figure out the, the new frontier of social media and trial and error. But that unregulated doesn't sound responsible to me. Right. Given how dangerous it can be in certain ways emotionally and psychologically and developmentally for kids especially young females with all like the body image stuff and pictures and comments yeah we're just talking about the number of kids who we see who um are engaging in relationships with guys who are over 18 and predators um, really predators yeah yeah yeah, maybe we can talk more about social media and how to navigate that at home. Yeah, we can have 10 episodes. Great. Sounds good. All right. Well, good luck, parents, at limiting what your kids have access to and determining what is optimal to be given. And what did you say? Deprived and... Provided or deprived. Yeah, optimal Maybe one provision. of the parents can come up with a blueprint that works every time and share it with us. Wisdom of the caller and... That's right. Bob, are you out there? We need your blueprint. (laughs) (laughs) All right, folks, have a good afternoon. Thanks. Bye-bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Is There a Med for That? For more information about our podcast and our clinical work, visit our website at medforthat.com. If you've got questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to cover, feel free to email us at contact at medforthat.com. We'd love to answer some of your questions on air. Have a great day.